0: Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing the Grand Group at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' three-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Koufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. Dan Thompson, fresh off a celebration of his wife's birthday. Hogs did an admirable job filling in for you. And Dan, let me tell you, you left... And then the Twins played well. And then you came back and the Twins still played well, Dan. 6-0 and o in this homestand, a seven-game winning streak. And I got to tell you, Dan, even if they lose the next two games to the Rays, they still will finish the month above five hundred. It's happening, Dan. It's happening. I
1: mean, think about that. You're right. I mean, so this is the first six and 6-0 homestand since 2008. That's a really oh. long time. How is that?
0: I mean, that 6-0 and o is not like, I mean, that's not nothing, right? Especially like to do them consecutively at home.
1: No, it's not. And also, if I may remind you, these are all from the end of of today's game, Dick Bramer and and Justin Morner were talking about this, but the 1991 Twins, did you know what record they started with, David? Not off the top of my head, Two and nine. They were two and nine that year to start, and here we are, the Twins started four and eight, and now they're what, 11 and eight?
0: 11 and eight, Dan Thompson. 11 and eight, leading the division by three games as we're recording this podcast.
1: Well, I think that's largely because the rest of the division is maybe not so great.
0: All the more reason to have hope, Dan, that this team is making the postseason.
1: It just might. What's all that? It's that culture. It's that clubhouse culture, David. It's really, it's really sparked this
0: championship culture, Dan Thompson.
1: Thank you, Carlos Correa.
0: Well, let's go ahead and start into our series recap. Series
1: recap
0: game one Dan Thompson it's really hard not to skip to the end of this game twins win this one five to four in just absolute bizarre fashion so before we get to the play that happened at the end of the game we should talk about what happened during the, the first eight and a half innings of the game here so Chris Paddock did okay went five and two-thirds five hits one run uh, earned one walk and two strikeouts then it went Duffy, Thielbar, Pagan, and Jax and Dan I don't know what to tell you exactly in this game Buxton DHs, Correa goes hitless, Polanco goes hit list it's not a great look for our offensive performers but Ursula and my guy dan thompson my guy max kepler he figured it out he knows he knows how to beat the shift dan
1: this is really annoying to me because your guy i think listeners would agree has been max kepler for a long time yes and my guy has been in miguel sano and miguel sano has not figured it out yet david he hasn't figured it out he may not even be the starting first baseman much longer
0: no he's not going to get a chance to figure it out dan i think he's uh he's on the old teetering edge of no longer making that starting roster certainly all three of the guys that we had in Puckett's picks here they started they were 0 for 11 in this yeah. game
1: and yet here the twins do come back and win now the key moment pagan who i learned when pagan does things like give up three run home runs apparently padres fans have a saying they call him pagan <laughs> Which is so we had last year we had Alex column column A column B yes. now we might have the same thing for Emilio but then what a I mean what a bizarre finish in the ninth inning David I I've never seen anything quite like that
0: this is a very very confusing play but long story short runners on first and second you have Larnick at second you have Ursula at first and Miguel Sano is at bat and Miguel Sano hits a a ball on a line to right field and Robbie Grossman is there and I'm thinking at this point okay probably going to be caught there's an air it's possible to advance the runners (laughs) here's what happens hits off Grossman's glove so gets over him and so the runners advance but Larnick is waiting he's waiting because he thinks Grossman's going to make the play so he gets held up at third by the infinite wisdom of Tommy (laughs) Watkins again the third base coach (laughs) holding Larnick here but so the throw comes in Miguel Sano. I don't know what this guy's thinking at this point. Not okay, can clue. I de-
1: can I defend Miguel here? What, what, because on, he's I, thinking I double. He's thinking double. I want
0: to explain what happened before before you defend him. Because all right, all right. Because- because this is ridiculous Miguel Sano just starts running on over to second base so this then forces Urshela to push to third kind of so then Larnik is running home Urshela is advancing from second to third Miguel is running from first to second and the catcher for Detroit as opposed to just walking the runner back to the third base bag, he decides he's gonna he's gonna airmail it over the third baseman's head into left field where nobody is anywhere near the ball. So Larnak is gonna score, Urshela scores, and the twins win it in obviously in one of the most bizarre fashions I've ever seen. And they did so off of a hard-hit ball that they gave Sano a hit. I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit contentious about that. I don't know that it should have been scored a hit. And he had two base-running errors, Dan. And the Twins walked this one off. It is absolute pandemonium. What, well, now, he, let's hear okay. your defense of Miguel he Sano. Only ha- Wait, whoa, and quick what? note, quick note. Oh, my gosh. Sano was going to get tagged between second and third after the fact. So the the game was over, but it would have been the second out had had the game not finished because Sano was trapped between second and third. Two base running errors, Dan Thompson.
1: I think a couple things here about Miguel. So, on that play, I understand why he would look at that ball going over Grossman's head and think, okay, surely Larnock's going to go. Like, surely he's going to try to score on this play. Like, there's no way. Because Urshela also looks like he's going to advance to third, as you pointed out. So, I think Miguel is just kind of following the leader, right? Like, he's thinking, (laughs) this is what you do. And we know that Tommy Watkins is no help at third base, right? So... I just think we can't I mean, put this. Watkins all can't yellow.
0: handle one runner, let alone three of them looking to him for guidance. Like how does he how does he delineate who he's
1: talking to at that point? Like does he have to point at them and then point where at the base? As long like, as the runners shout? do the George Costanza do the opposite, I think it'll be fine what a weird play and, and the weirdest thing is that to have two games in this winning streak two games in what five at that point go basically because the White Sox series that you got to talk about the White Sox threw away a game too it's the kind of play that makes you think you know maybe this is their year right Th- like things are gonna bounce getting weird right. plays going their way yeah
0: so there there was an article on the Twins website about the rally goat uh, that the Twins players mm-hmm. have been thanking for this and this is supposedly a goat that they found in an opposing clubhouse in the, on the away game but he's made his way into the dugout dan and he's he's apparently had some impact on these games with these wild crazy endings
1: now is this a real goat or is this a, a pretend goat
0: it's like a screaming goat little figurine that yeah not okay. a real because it like would be way cooler if it was a real yeah. goat i think
1: um i think we can move to game two which was a much more uh
0: satisfying victory i suppose yeah this one felt more like baseball and less like what is going on twins win this one really handily i mean this is this is maybe the best team performance of the season thus far twins win this one five to nothing always in control of this one dan thompson let's talk about your guy joe ryan
1: Joe Ryan pitched seven innings. I believe he was the first Twins started a pitch into the seventh this season. And really, I mean, the equivalent of a, how would I, it's almost a no-hitter. It's almost a perfect game, okay. really, here, David. I mean, this is basically, I mean, the Twins staff, they only give up two hits in one walk. I, I have seen no-hitters less impressive than the, what the Twins combined for here in this one. Ten strikeouts combined, nine of them to Joe Ryan yeah love this game
0: this is this is impressive again Ryan continues to impress I still keep waiting for that that start that makes me start to question how good he is but he's not letting me have that chance Dan he just keeps impressing every outing his ERA is 1.17
1: that's Oof. remarkable and it's not like he's pitched against nobody this this Detroit lineup has formidable hitters in it also Kepler has a, a big game here again I, as much as I hate to bring it up but he hits a couple home runs Larnack plays well one here. to opposite field four. one to opposite field that's important uh, Ryan Jeffers gets in on the fun. I mean, it was the bottom part of the lineup here, really having a great game. I
0: think that's going to do it for game two. Let's go ahead and push forward game three.
1: Do you think this was Carlos Correa's best game as a twin?
0: Yes, I think so. I think pretty clearly. The thing is, he has been very impressive in the field, right? Like it hasn't been like he's struggled at shortstop and he's committing all sorts of errors. He's looked very good. He's made some solid plays, but he clearly has not gotten his bat going. And this is the first game where I felt that, okay, yeah, this looks like the guy who we're paying this much money to. And then also to be fair it's not like in the last series where he got that quote unquote double where, where there's the throwing error right, at right. first base like this was an actual power hit it was a good solid hit when he needed it as well it was a big big moment for him in this game
1: He has said that he's not great in April that he's kind of biding his time and I think we do forget sometimes the first part of a baseball season feels so important and yeah. yet it's not really that important in the grand, you know, it is really one month of the season and you've got a long time until the all-star break. Even look at that trade and how good that looks dumping Josh Donaldson, and having Urshela in there right now,
0: especially who is hitting about as well as Miguel Sano for New York currently.
1: And that is not a compliment. Um, <laughs> So the Twins, they win this game seven to one. They're in control. The Tigers commit four errors. Um, Urshela with three hits. Correa with three hits. Larnack with two more. Celestino out in center field. Has, it goes two for three. Uh, yeah, he gets on base play. and scores a couple of runs. Yeah. I mean, like this was just a super encouraging game to see guys step up who haven't really so much so far this season.
0: Well, especially considering that Buxton was on the bench. He didn't even need to come into the game at all. Not Not a pinch hitting opportunity, not a pinch run. He was just on the bench the whole day. And they made a point,
1: I think it was even in in the White Sox series, how it seems like Baldelli is really trying to make a point of giving guys entire games off and not saying, hey, and then come in in the eighth inning and and pinch hit or or play in the field. So it's really nice when they can actually see those games through.
0: But be honest, Dan, when you see a lineup that doesn't have Buxton playing in any way, shape, or form, tell me there's not a little something nagging at you in the back of your head thinking, is he he hurt? Is he okay? Yeah. Every every
1: time that happens, yes, absolutely. There's no such thing as a rest day for Byron Buxton that doesn't feel uh, a little bit nerve wracking.
0: Yes. The other thing to note about this game, Bailey over goes three and two thirds innings pitched and then he leaves with some hamstring tightness. But supposedly he told guys after the game that he thinks he's not going to miss any more starts. And granted, it doesn't really matter, right? Because the Twins have, I don't know, 80 starting pitchers that they just keep working their way through. So even if one or two go down, it'll be just fine. I think
1: everybody on this roster has been a starting pitcher at some point in the last couple (laughs) of seasons. Even Griffin Jacks comes in. He actually gets the rare three inning save. Yeah. So Griffin Jacks, first major league save. Congratulations.
0: So I was listening on the radio uh During his post game, and he said he called it an old man save. Was the way that's what he called it, which I thought was pretty good. And there was a little drama to the ninth inning.
1: The uh, the Tigers loaded the bases with a couple outs, but Jax gets out of the trouble, and, and the Twins win seven to one
0: again. Series sweep, Dan. There's not much else we can say about this one. Let's go ahead and push forward to Puckett's picks winner, Dan. Catch them all,
1: Kirby Puckett. Puckett's
0: picks winner. You yeah, had to say it like that, didn't you? I I did, Dan Thompson. Victory at last. I'll let you give the scores and the standings.
1: Congratulations. So you, you, David, get the win with Carlos Correa with three points. I tried to squeak out another point with Polanco, but there was no hidden stolen base or RBI that I could find. And Byron Buxton actually posts a negative two because Byron Buxton didn't have a great series. I think we're going to talk about that later. Season standings now. The listeners have three wins. I have two, and you're right on my heels now with one, David, through six series.
0: Love it. Love it, baby. Let's go ahead and push forward. Beast versus bench. Dan. beast versus bench losing fun is losing fun so
1: i'll i'll start here i i know that yours is a pretty obvious choice here and of i'm course. gonna let you have your moments but i'm gonna talk about a guy whose name i never seem to get right Gio urshela has a great series really here for the twins in game one he gets a couple hits he scores a couple runs um uh, game two you know he's not great he has no hits in that game he's over three with a walk uh but then he comes through here in game three he's three for four with an RBI and a run and just keeping those rallies alive in the middle of the lineup, I think. But I'm just really pleased that they can put him in the four spot in the lineup and and it's not a joke. Fantastic series for, for Urshela.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with Max Kepler. Uh, yeah, my I thought boy, maybe you might. Yeah. My boy Max Kepler here had a very good series. So Kepler, he went two for four in game one uh, with three RBIs. Then game two goes two for three with two RBIs. Now, it should be noted in game two, Kepler had two home runs, one of them opposite field. Very important that Kepler is figuring that out. Today's game didn't go so good. Oh, for four uh, with the strikeout. What are you going to do? Uh, but the long and short here, Dan, Max Kepler is starting to figure it out, I think. And you could see that in game one, he threatened to bunt Dan Thompson. I don't know if you saw that. And to me, if a guy's threatening to bunt, that means he's thinking through a little bit more about what he's doing and what he's trying to accomplish at the plate, especially for a guy like Max, who is trying his best to beat a shift that honestly lately had seemed unbeatable.
1: Well, and I know that batting average is perhaps some would think it's outdated now at this point as a stat, but he's the he's got the fifth best batting average on the team right now. He's batting two forty six this month, and like you said, he is hitting the ball opposite field. It's not always you know severe towards left field, right? He's not hitting him into the left field corner, but he's doing enough to hit some line drives over there that that maybe teams will start to second guess a little bit
0: how they shift against him. I'm hoping so. I mean, it may not matter next year when they ban the shift anyway, Dan. Uh, but but <laughs> don't that, get me going on that. Yeah. With that being still... said. Dan who you got on
1: your bench I went with for my bench I went with Emilio Pagan so he gives up that three run home run and I just you know relievers are allowed to make mistakes right three run home runs are kind of big mistakes I just wonder we didn't see him in games two or game three they weren't safe situations but I wonder is he going to be the closer now does this open the door do you think for other closers to step in
0: what other guys Dan is really well the that's question I, I don't know
1: I mean that's the thing like do they have somebody else that they
0: would trust with that I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Thielbar didn't look great, and Duffy obviously has had his struggles currently. I just don't know what to tell you, Dan. I don't know where else you're going to turn at this point if you're not looking to Pagan.
1: And that's then the spot that I think, if we're going to see this team make a trade, and I realize it's the end of April and we're talking about trades, but I could see them still trying to find a proven back-end bullpen guy to really lock down the end of a game. And again, maybe Pagan will bounce back. But that's a little concerning that they just don't really have a guy there to go to. Maybe not even in the ninth inning, but like a guy who they know is going to have an ERA around two, and he's going to shut down teams most of the time that he's in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Duran could be the guy in the future. I don't think he's that guy right now. And so the real question is, what teams are going to be trading or what teams are going to offer up a guy who's going to be your back-end guy? And are they going to be able to offer him up this early in the season? Because I think it's going to be a while Dan, until some recruitments come in.
1: I, I think it will be too. And it could even be somebody who comes up through the system. I mean, we just don't know. We, we were pretty sure a couple episodes ago that the Twins had this figured out. And it's just a
0: reminder that baseball, it, it's early. It's early, David. We just don't know that much. Anyway, who's on your bench? You know, I hate to do this. And the thing is, we get accused of this from time to time where where we don't put guys in the B slot or the bench slot because they perform as we think they should. Do you know what I'm trying to I don't know exactly how to say what I'm trying to say. That like, They're like, we won't put a guy in the bench slot because he had an off series if he's typically better than he is. So Dan Thompson, I am taking this opportunity to put Byron Buxton on my bench. He could have been on the bench this series, Dan, and it would have made no difference to the outcome of this series. That's a good point,
1: actually, and maybe that's a good way to think about it, is that he just wasn't a non-factor, and that's great. That's great that he was a non-factor in this. If anything, David, you benching him right now is a compliment to the value of Byron Buxton on this team, right? He's not everything.
0: Yes, and I even wrote in the notes, the biggest reason why I'm putting him on the bench right now is because I don't know that we're going to get another opportunity to end this season, and I hope that's I,
1: the case. I thought it was to motivate him to play better. David, <laughs> yeah, isn't that? Yeah. You know, you've just been you know,
0: Byron, I think you got more in the tank. You just really don't seem to be playing very well.
1: Well, that transitions into my Rocco's rewind really well. Rocco's rewind. My Rocco's rewind is I am glad that it worked out that Rocco Baldelli sat Buxton for game three because it looks smart, and here's why. Because Hilberto Celestino played really well. Celestino still only has 15 at-bats on the year he hasn't done a lot but he did have a couple hits here in this last game he's got three on the year he's playing good defense we talked a couple episodes ago about how some people would say that Buxton should be DHing more but that they didn't really have a legitimate center fielder to make that happen. I think if Celestino is going to hit at least something
0: around 230, 240, I think that's okay because he's a very competent center fielder. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have to do much from the box. If he can be somewhat adequate and get a hit here or there and really just not be a net negative overall, I think he has a great spot on this team right now.
1: But I still wonder, is Nick Gordon a competent enough center fielder? And I think clearly he's a better hitter right now than Celestino is. Is that enough? Like, Would you still rather have Gordon out there as a backup? Or do you want Celestino?
0: It's hard to say, really, because I'd always rather have the stronger offense typically. But center field is so vital and can be such a game changing can be such a game changing position if you're stealing singles and and cutting off doubles that sort of thing. That I think at this point, if I'm drawing up that lineup and I have the choice between the two, I'm gonna take Celestino.
1: What about you here? What's your rewind?
0: So mine's a little bit more negative, I guess. And it's hard to be negative after six and zero home stand. But game one, I think Rocco should have pulled Paddock earlier because he gave up two hits and granted he got a double play on the next batter so it's not like it's harder for me to criticize because okay yeah he got the double play but then he did give up a run after the fact i can understand the conundrum that Rocco finds himself in though right because you have paddock Mm -hmm. on the mound he's been dealing pretty well so far in this game and you don't really want to go to the bullpen because you're not really sure what you're going to get out of the guy coming out of the pen he goes with duffy i don't I, i don't know i feel for Rocco in this but i still think you go with the fresh arm in that situation
1: well, and you know what? Paddock got that run support finally, so he, yes. got, he, got, he got his win, which was great. Um, let's go ahead and go into Minnesota Moment. Minnesota Moment.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go with Correa's base-clearing double in Game 3. The biggest thing is that I think it just showed that Correa is seeing the ball better and he's making that contact. Obviously, Game 1 wild ending, that seems like the obvious choice, but I am going to go with Correa's base-clearing double just because I kind of hope it's a turning point for Correa.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not going to go with the wild ending in game one either. I'm going to go with Joe Ryan's start. So we we gave his line earlier with seven innings, one hit, one walk. But what a steal that Cruz deal was to get Joe Ryan in that. Because he looks, it's a month in. Yes, pitchers tend to do better in April, so we'll see what we're talking about in May. But like he has All Star numbers right now, yeah, and that's remarkable to get when you're when you're dumping a player like Nelson Cruz at the deadline to a, a team trying to chase a pennant. You don't often get a guy like that back. That's, you're not supposed to. It's a shame now this in this Tampa series, Joe Ryan's not going to get a chance to face the Rays. But I suppose down the road that's going to be something as a reminder every time they face the Rays and, and Joe Ryan is potentially on the mound. Because man, what a deal that
0: was! Pretty good deal by that Twins front office. Let's keep moving here, Dan Maurer's music. I just don't
1: know how it can get any better. Mauer's musings.
0: You've had a bit of a Kore-a-thon here
1: this episode but go ahead you got more to say about it
0: anytime that correa wins your Puckett's picks you gotta you gotta talk him up a little bit here dan but so really we've talked a little bit about this already but i truly think that this was a turning point for correa but what i want to talk about dan is there's all these reports going around now that correa is open to a long-term deal with the twins and i have a couple of questions here first of all the twins aren't going to pay him as much money as he probably wants so the only way that this works out the twins can give him a ton of years certainly But he's going to have to take a monetary discount in order to play here if he truly actually wants to stay here. So here's my question, Dan Thompson. Do you think there is a world in which the Twins do sign Carlos Correa to a long term deal after the season is done?
1: Uh, Of course, I think so. Wow. Really, Dan? Here's why. So Ken Rosenthal pointed this out in his article on The Athletic that at least a factor, a related factor is that Byron Buxton signed a seven-year deal to stay in Minnesota. And I think as it's reported, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know, you know, what those conversations are actually like because we're just going to see the public face. And obviously, Correa is going to say things like, yeah, I can see myself here long term. Like, that's just good PR for anybody. But the way that he's talking about it and saying how much he enjoys the clubhouse, how much he enjoys the city, how he and his wife, maybe, you know, they just have a little, they have a baby now, I think five or six months old, how they want to really settle down. Like, there is something to that. I think we forget sometimes how much athletes really do move around, right? Yeah. And how disruptive that is to an entire family. Um, and so the fact that his wife's happy, and and honestly, are we, we're talking about the difference between, what, 35 million and 45 million? And I know yeah. that that's $10 million, but it's still 35 million dollars so i can see a scenario can, can you see one
0: i find it harder to believe i think it's far-fetched it does seem though the way that article read did make me think that it's possible but like my mind keeps saying it's not like stop it stop it this is not actually know. happening
1: minnesota is a lovely place though david yes. right for everybody like, for wants like to be there
0: four weeks out of the year minnesota is just the greatest place to be dan
1: my musing looks at this is so painful david to even talk about this but He's i'm tearing gonna, up folks He's, i'm a little bit tears coming out of his eyes who makes more starts the rest of the way at first base
0: who makes the most yeah well remember i thought it was brent rooker a couple <laughs> seasons ago even though rooker <laughs> yeah. had never played at first base the bold prediction you know, dan to to say a guy's going to play a position that he hasn't played before
1: you but never uh, know though if rocco likes to put anybody out at any base
0: yeah no i think a rise is the likely candidate to get a lot of starts there in less in less Kirilov comes back and shows himself to be healthy and able to be productive on the offensive side of the ball, in which case there's no doubt Larnik can't be taken out of the left field right now because he's showing himself to be a major league everyday player. And so at this moment in time, Dan, I think it's a platoon between a rise Kirillov Kirilov.
1: Yeah, and that leads Sano to occasionally DH because he can't I you guess. can't put him back at third anymore. And and Urshela has proven to play a pretty dang good third base. So yes. I don't think the Twins are going to get much if they want to trade Sano. You're not going to get a lot oh, of value out of that. I don't. That.
0: No, I don't even think they're going to trade him. I think they just dump him if they wanted him gone.
1: So that makes me a little bit sad. We'll see. You know, we'll see how things go in Tampa and how things go. I believe it's Baltimore after that. But I'm I'm a little bit worried about my guy at first base, and I I, I don't know that he's going to hit his 41 home runs this season. Might 41, have been a little bold.
0: I mean, maybe in the minors, Dan. You know, you never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's, that's mine. Um, I see. we go ahead and, and grade this series. Series Grades. Two series in a row, Dan. I don't. I don't
0: know what else. What other grade do you give them?
1: Well, so this is impressive to me, David. So you you texted me a tweet by Aaron Gleeman that the Twins have allowed. This was through the, before today's game. They've allowed sixty runs in eighteen games, and that's their lowest total through this point in any season since nineteen seventy two. That's amazing. And we thought the pitching was gonna be such a weakness, and that's been such a strength. So it, it's got to be an A. Because of that, and now with the bats coming around, I don't know how else to grade it.
0: I mean, it has to be an A. You win three games. I mean, even in the way that they won that first game, Dan, it's still an A. No question.
1: Let's go to Herbie's headline.
0: I don't know, Jack. It looks like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. Yeah, so, Hogs had been texting me about this as well, Dan. So, why don't you why don't you explain to the listeners what you want to talk about here with this headline?
1: So... Among the many changes that baseball has been discussing is the pitch clock, giving pitchers a limited amount of time, and really hitters too, to step into the box and to be ready to face a pitch. And the minor leagues across the board are using this pitch clock, and it is shortening games massively, David. I mean, games are down on average more than 20 minutes per game. I mean, that's a significant difference. Uh, Games here in Spokane, the Spokane Indians are the Rockies' uh, single-A affiliate and they are having games end in under two hours. And and this is not like a two-to-one pitcher's duel. Like, these are games with normal scores. Yeah. It's just, it's so fast. And I don't know,
0: it almost seems too fast. How much beer can you drink in two hours is really <laughs> well, that, the question. That, that
1: really is part of it, right? Like, I mean, like, at some point, you, you do want the game to go into that third hour I, I, for <laughs> for drama, for... <laughs> <laughs> um, but but partially, I would love to see the numbers. I haven't seen this reported yet. But like, does that affect baseball concession stands bottom lines at all, or does it not matter? I mean, how often do you go out and the lines are super long in the seven three eight thing?
0: Yeah, not, not often, like seventh and eighth. No. I mean, do you really want that hot dog that's been there for a couple of hours, Dan? <laughs> I,
1: no, I don't. I don't. Funny story, actually. I heard when I was a kid, and maybe this was just made up, but that the hot dogs that you get in the first, second, and third innings were actually leftovers from the night before and that you shouldn't eat them early on. Have you heard this before?
0: I mean, I would love to tell you that I didn't think that was true, but I don't know that I can with a straight face, Dan, because of course, of course it's leftover hot dogs from the night before.
1: <laughs> Are they that different than the fresh ones? I mean, let's no, be No,
0: not the hot dog. That's why you get a brat. You know, you get a brat you from, go. from you know it it's I want to it sizzling fresh. at Khrushchev yes. right yes. there, right? Um, that would be hard anyway. to reheat without the people noticing this, like, hard, crusty brat. <laughs> um, what do you think? I mean, do you want the pitch clock to come to the majors? It's hard to say. I haven't looked into it as deeply as you or Hogs have, but it does concern me that it's speeding up pace of play that much. And I guess in those stats, I'm curious, how often are, is it being enforced? Like, is part of this happening because, like, the umpires are actually saying, hey, nope, that's a strike. Hey, nope, that's a ball based on timing cuz i really Yeah, just... no it
1: is. I mean, I've seen I've seen both sides of that. Hitters yeah. getting penalized with a strike and, and pitchers getting penalized with the ball.
0: Maybe i wonder if there can be a little bit of an, an adjustment. I guess i want to i want to feel it, right? Like i want to feel that impact of how long does it really feel like before they start calling those balls and strikes based on time? But i really don't like that unless it truly feels like inordinate,
1: right? I agree. I I think that cuz the pitch counts i believe are it's 14 seconds with no runners on i believe it's 18. When there are runners on. And if you just count that out, that is pretty fast. I would love to just see a couple seconds added to that. But but also, like, aren't there moments in baseball games where you and I want that drama of the next pitch? Like I get yeah. that there's a line, but there's also drama to all of that happening.
0: Yes, absolutely. There there's some buildup to it because there is no clock. And it all it all hinges upon the pitcher releasing that baseball. And so and
1: you know we've I mean, this is one of the great things about baseball, right? Is that there is no clock. Like that's what makes correct. it stand out.
0: I'm, I'm hesitant it's to say that one. I'm on board with it. I do like the idea of shortening baseball games, but like, have you ever watched like a Korean baseball game? Like, Some of those are ridiculous, right? Like how quickly they move and how quickly they're over, and I don't know that I want to see that in the MLB. All
1: right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and move
0: on to Puckett's Picks. And we'll see you tomorrow Puckett's Picks. The Rays series, Dan Thompson, and the listeners take... To no surprise, even after his struggles, even after being put on the bench, Dan Thompson, the listeners take Byron Buxton for the upcoming Rays series.
1: Hard to argue with the guy who's uh, clearly the best hitter on the Twins and and one of the best in baseball. I get to go next because I was... Because I guess I lost uh, compared to you, so I, everybody
0: lost compared to me, Dan. Tom,
1: I want to I want to use one of those phrases like you. You always say you struggled with this one, right? I'm going <laughs> to go with Luis Ariz, and I have a reason because very often I've noticed Luis Ariz is between Buxton and Correa, and with Correa heating up, I think teams are going to have to pitch to rise and that's not the guy you want to be pitching to right now, especially if he's going to get comfortable playing first base, a spot where I, he actually looks pretty good. And I think when players are comfortable in the field, I think they bat a little bit better. So. Yes. I'm expecting a big series out of Luis Sarais.
0: Right, well, I'm going to take Correa, no question, because Correa has finally turned it on, and Dan decides this is the time to pass on him.
1: <laughs> you know, last week, we all looked pretty stupid for not picking Kepler or Larnock or, or Jeffers. Shella or Jeffers even. We, we hardly even talked about Jeffers, so I think, I think maybe... Arise still feels like a pretty good choice.
0: I, I don't think it's a bad choice. I just I am very appreciative of you for leaving Correa after I've had such a such an episode where all I want to talk about is Carlos Correa.
1: All right, um, I think I'll send us out since I'm back. Yeah, I'm yeah, back please do Dan Thank you. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win. You can find our Min for the Win Facebook page as well. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes are available. If you can leave us a rating, that'd be great. Also, uh, just a reminder: our episodes are available on YouTube. If you could give us a like there, maybe drop us a comment, uh, we'd really appreciate it. And, and subscribe to there as well. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Twins!
0: That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!